Hello and welcome to PW Kids Cast, the children's book podcast from Publishers Weekly. In each episode, we speak with authors and illustrators creating books for children and teens. I'm John Sellers, the children's reviews editor at Publishers Weekly. Today I'm speaking with Laura Overdeck, creator of the nonprofit Bedtime Math Foundation and the author of Bedtime Math, A Fun Excuse to Stay Up Late. A second Bedtime Math book, Bedtime Math 2, This Time It's Personal, is out this month from Fywell and Friends, an imprint of Macmillan which is sponsoring this podcast. Both bedtime math books grew out of nightly math problems that Overdeck and her husband created for their own children. This quickly turned into an email blast sent out to friends, then a website, daily math problems, and a nonprofit foundation. The books use unexpected and off-kilter topics, from hot sauce and the 10-second rule to night vision goggles, to introduce math problems for children at multiple skill levels. The new book takes an especially personal approach to the topic with sections on the human body, clothing, personal habits, and more. Uh, Laura, thank you for speaking with me. Well, thanks for inviting me. So did I get the basic trajectory right as far as how the the whole bedtime math thing got started? Yes, absolutely. Our whole mission at Bedtime Math is really to enable kids to love math the way they love dessert. And in our country right now, there's so much about math and how we're struggling in our schools. And a lot of it just has to do with kids not liking math. It's hard to embrace something if you don't enjoy it. And our belief here is that if you get kids started early and their first encounter with math is really playful and recreational and fun, that that can just change the trajectory completely. And the new book is subtitled This Time It's Personal. Do you think making math personal to kids is an important part of getting them to think of it as something other than something they do once a day at school? Absolutely, because right now, most people, including the parents, think of math as something boring and dry that you do only in school, when in fact, math is a part of every moment of your life. And showing kids that just as they go about their daily routine or their favorite activities, that there are numbers involved, helps them see that it's relevant and also that it's fun. So in the book, when we talk about how many pairs of underwear you have and what's your underwear rotation and are you going to make it through the month or make it to the next laundry, Mm -hmm. that's fun for kids. And it's also showing that anytime you count anything, you're using numbers. Anytime you throw a ball or pick something up, it has a speed or a weight or a size. That's all numbers. And it just makes it so tangible for kids. Now, the bedtime math phenomenon uh, seems to have exploded somewhat quickly. Were you you surprised at the way it took off? We really were. Again, as you alluded to, it started with friends just saying to me, hey, could you write down these math problems you do with your kids? And I tried it out with some families in town. And right away, we knew that something was up because within a week, the list of people doubled because people heard about it and wrote to me and said, hey, can I be part of this experiment? And the other thing was that people said their kids had started bugging them for the math problem. And we hear this all the time from parents and teachers that their kids start reminding them because the kids see it as playtime. They want more of it. Do you think that sort of a response is an indicative of how much of a need or a hunger exists for, I guess, math resources that go beyond uh, textbook problems or flashcards? Absolutely. I think people are hungry for fun math, and the time is right for it because math has taken on such a heavy, serious tone in the news because of of performance and all the focus on performance instead of on the love of it, and that's where we're trying to to counteract. 
Now, you talked about this a little bit just now, but especially in the early days when bedtime math was starting out, what were the sorts of things you were hearing specifically, I guess, from parents, either in emails or on Facebook or your website? What were they telling you about, I guess, maybe their own struggles with their kids in math and things like that? There are definitely some key themes that we continue to hear even two years after starting this. One is that the parents have to be won over as much as the kids. Because if a parent doesn't really enjoy math, A, they're probably not talking numbers while doing activities with their kids. And B, they may be radiating their dislike of it. And that doesn't help kids like it themselves. Whereas if a parent loves numbers and and they're baking cookies with their kid, well, Baking is a fabulous way to learn math in a fun way. You can't help but learn your fractions when you're baking. But And, and the parent who enjoys math will weave that in with the kid not even noticing. Um, I have had subscribers write to me and say that they, as parents, in doing the bedtime math problem, are now enjoying math for the first time themselves, which is awesome because it shows that we can turn this around at any age. <laughs> in the introduction to the book, you talk about this idea of math anxiety, especially as it relates even to adults as much as kids, and that they can find it to be tedious and even outright nerve-wracking. Um, I mean, how do you think we we got to this point? Has it been this way? It's been this way, I think, for a long time. And studies have shown that math anxiety starts as early as age five. And I don't think that's a coincidence, given that that's when kids go to kindergarten. Kids don't really do a lot of math at home. Some families do with their preschoolers, and that's awesome when they do. But most people aren't doing it the way many parents know that they should read to their kids every night. Math is not a habit like that, and that's that's exactly the habit we're trying to get started. But when a kid gets that preschool and exposure in their earlier years, that makes a huge difference. Um, We noticed when book one came out that before the book came out, If you got on Amazon and looked at the top math books for kids, they were all workbooks, every single one of them. And now with bedtime math, not only are bedtime math books one and two at the top of that list now, but I've noticed it's pulled other fun math books onto the list because they're cross-promoted. And it's great because it's, it's letting people be aware, hey, you don't have to just go buy a workbook. You can find something more fun for your kids. Mm-hmm. This stuff is out there for them. Um, now, as far as the, the the Bedtime Math Foundation goes, how did you decide to get that started? And what sort of work and initiatives make up its day-to-day operations? Sure. Well, we made it a nonprofit because math is a hard sell. <laughs> and you're going to win people over more if you're not uh, charging them for your content on your website and your app and so on. And we feel fortunate that we could make this a charitable endeavor for our family. Um, we, day-to-day, it's it's a startup here. We have seven people now, and everybody's wearing two or three hats. Everything from, you know, finding topics and content for the math problems, which I still am heavily involved in writing, um, and obviously responding to people who reach out to us for partnerships. And then our next big initiative, which we're also announcing this month, is we're rolling out a nationwide math club, an after-school math club kit that any school or library can order to host a club for eight weeks. And we think this could really be the game changer because it's making it now tangible. It's the next step after the email and then the cozy books. The next step is actually to get kids kids together with each other doing fun math. 
And when will that, what's the, the goal for that to start up? Well, it's actually already up on our website. That's our soft launch, but in a couple of weeks, we're going to announce it to our subscribers and, and, you know, more broadly in the press. Okay. And then now is bedtime math and everything in, involving it, has it become your full-time work at this point? Oh, pretty much. <laughs> it's taken over our lives. And um, what's great is my kids, I have three kids, and they continue to be inspiration for content. I still run stuff by them, and they'll say, Mom, that's not funny. Don't use that. <laughs> so they're, uh, they're, they're still involved, too. And it's really um, become a mission for our family. Mm-hmm. That actually leads uh, directly into my next question. You know, in the beginning when you were coming up with these sort of bedtime conversations and examples uh, that inspired the uh, the ones that appear in these books, did you begin to discover that your kids really responded to certain types of questions over others? I know certainly with both of the books and especially this new one, you know, the humor is obviously a very big part of it. There's also some science mixed in with the math and things like mm-hmm. that. Um, were they responding to certain kinds of questions or the, the way you structured them in a certain way, certain topics? Well, again, this all started somewhat accidentally. Um, when we had our first child, when she was two, we started rolling in a little math problem at night with her book. And it wasn't a very thought out, planned, deliberate thing. We just started doing it because we like math and you're reading a book, you might as well do a math problem. And we would just make them up about whatever had been talked about at dinner. You know, my kids went through a ninja phase where they were really into ninjas. <laughs> so for about a month, a lot of the math problems were about ninjas. It was much more random and haphazard in a way. It was really just uh, spontaneously based on whatever the kids were interested in at the time. As we started turning this into a written thing and I started writing the math problems on the blog I've noticed that when you get a cool fact in there um, subscribers really love that and in fact we have a whole group of adults who don't even have kids who are followers they just have it as their cool fact of the day (laughs) the daily math problem when you started the efforts you put up a website you had a Facebook page going at what point uh, did children's books enter your mind would you have been thinking like hey maybe this is a there's something here that could translate to that or was it not something you were thinking about about back then? You know, it came up pretty quickly because about a month or two into doing the math problems, we started really building a base pretty quickly thanks to getting press fairly early on. Um, Subscribers started asking if we would have a book. I had agents write to me saying, you know, I think this would make a great book. I'd be happy to be your agent. And that's actually how I got my agent, who is fabulous, Kathy Hemming. Um, People instantly saw that this would be even better as a, a fun, cozy book with great illustrations, which we can't generate that quickly on the website. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was going to ask about that. You know, the, the artwork certainly adds a lot to both books' humor, and, and it's one place where the books diverge uh, from the emails that you, you send out and the, the problems on your on your site. What was it like seeing, I mean, these are your first books. I mean, what was it like seeing them come together and to see the way that the art could add to what you were doing? Oh, it was overwhelming. Uh, Jim Paylot is fabulous. He draws the My Weird School series, which is one of my, was one of my daughter's favorite series when she was at that age level. And she's really the one who pointed out to me that he would be a great choice. <laughs> and that's how we got him. Um, it really adds so much life and energy. And just it results in a book that looks nothing like a textbook. And that is absolutely our goal with it. Now, you know, we talked a little earlier about sort of societal attitudes toward math, and as part of me can't help but flash back 20 years or so with the uh, Mattel's short-lived uh, math class is tough, uh, Barbie. Oh. <laughs> uh, um, I mean, that was 20 years ago. Do you think, have we made progress since then uh, in terms of how we view math, especially where girls are involved? Or I think we have 
done a better job of pretending to think better about it. But unfortunately, things like that still happen. There was just a T-shirt last summer put out by Children's Place for girls, and it shows check boxes, and it says music, check, dancing, check, you know, glitter, check, and then it says math with no check mark, and under it says nobody's perfect. And it's like, why would we make a shirt like that? Who would buy that shirt for their kid? Um, you know, it's it's amazing to me that given all the awareness and all the advances for girls in particular that we've made, that um, unfortunately this stuff still leaks out, and we're hoping we can help turn that around. Well, even in the new book. You, you sort of prove that glitter and math are not mutually exclusive. You know, you That's can have right. There's room for both. <laughs> <laughs> glitter is very mathematical. <laughs> Shapes, uh, yeah. That's right. <laughs> Counting those dots, right. Yes. <laughs> yeah. um, now, you have a background in astrophysics, and obviously the books, the exercises in this books aren't really touching on that, but have you been able to find ways to incorporate either ideas from that or sort of other personal favorite concepts and ideas into, into the books or into the problems you guys send out? Oh, definitely, because they say you write what you know, and and you also write what you love. And so I probably have a heavier percentage of space-related math problems about the planets or about missions to Mars or about asteroids that are just missing, hitting Earth. You know, we try not to make it too alarming, um, but I definitely have a mix of that in the math problems. And I also am just, I just love food and chocolate in particular, so... There's a lot about food in the blog. Now, I understand there's uh, some major uh, bookstore events going on to celebrate the, the release of the new book. Yes, we are doing a nationwide glow-in-the-dark geometry party, and almost 200 bookstores are participating this week. Basically, they're getting glow sticks and styrofoam balls. And kids can shove them together to build cube shapes and cube lattices and connect them to build skyscrapers, basically, because it doesn't weigh very much. And when you flick off the lights, the kids are just blown away at what their creations look like. So we're really excited about this because, again, really sending the message that math is something you seek out because it's fun. And will you be uh, getting out there a little bit with uh, local stores or anything like that? Yes, I'm at 10 different signings this week and a few more next week. And we'll be reading the book and, and then helping get the kids started building these structures. So I'm really looking forward to it. It is really fun to see kids and their reactions when mm-hmm. they come to these. And um, I believe there's at least one more uh, bedtime math book on the way. Is that right? There is. I am writing it as we speak, and we are still working on the title, but it will perhaps be the most similar to the blog in that it's going to be heavy on on the random crazy facts. <laughs> so that's the angle it's going to take. Great. And this might be a tough one to end on, but if you had one piece of advice that you were trying to you know, get out there to parents who, who want to get their kids more engaged in math in a sort of regular, everyday sort of way, what would it be? Oh, you know, and I get asked this a lot. Um, I think the the thing with parents is either liking math or at least showing that you like math. That and that is a hard thing to fake. But the more that parents can step back and get into a child's head and see things the way the child is, because kids start off liking math. You know, they don't start hating it till we. <laughs> unfortunately do things to them that make that happen um, kids start off liking it and if parents can somehow get back down into that mindset themselves and see the world the way kids do that it's a place of wonder and that activities and toys are fun and and weave that in that's that's how parents can get there and it's important for them to try to do that because you know parents are kids first teachers 
Well, uh, thank you so much, Laura, and, and uh, congratulations again on the new book. Oh, well, and thank you for having me on the show. So once again, I've been speaking with Laura Overdeck, whose new book is Bedtime Math 2, This Time It's Personal, published by Fywell and Friends. Thank you for listening to PW KidsCast. <laughs>